Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. Paul to the believers in Rome saying, this is the deal. This is what God wants. All of you, all of you as a living sacrifice. Verse two of that same chapter, he says, do not copy the behavior and customs of this world. Don't let this world make its imprint on you. Do not be conformed or shaped into the world's ideologies. Do you feel pressured to fit in with your community? Whether it's at work or in your neighborhood or wherever you hang out with people, all of us feel that pressure, especially when we're young. Following Christ always requires us to go against the flow of culture around us. Culture naturally reflects the sinful nature of the people within it, so Christ is always countercultural. In today's message, Pastor James will remind us that it's not only okay if you don't fit in, you actually should be different. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Leviticus chapter 18 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. Chapter 18 is a, um, oh, it's a fun one. Uh, let me tell you, it's, uh, it's amazing. Um, forbidden sexual practices, right? Yes. You all were, ex- you just were all anticipating this chapter, right? I mean, everybody's like, when are we getting to 18? Um, there's a lot within this, and it, um, and, and I'll try to break it down as best as I can. Uh, kind of read through some of these verses because it's, it, you just get it after a while. But, there are some crucial things that we're going to talk about that are heavy things within the, the day and age in which we live, and um, we're going to probably camp out on some of those concepts and figure out, uh, well, number one, what God's viewpoint on current issues are and, uh, and how we need to, as Christians, handle those things, okay? So chapter 18, verse 1, I'm going to read from the New Living Translation. Um, I just like the, the way it breaks it down. It says, then the Lord said to Moses, give the following instructions to the people of Israel. I am the Lord your God. Okay? So number one, I mean, we see this time and time again throughout Leviticus. The, the theme for Leviticus is holiness. It's holiness. That's the theme. God is holy. And if you are his follower, you have to be holy. There's no option. He is holy. He is distinct. He is set apart. We as his followers have to be holy, distinct, set apart different from the world. Different. You have to be. You have to be. He's different from all other gods. Not that there are any other gods, but you understand what I'm saying. Like, he is different. And here it is, just another reminder, as as Moses is getting the word from the Lord and delivering it to the people, as they're at the mount, the base of Mount Sinai, they're just starting the journey. They just got out of Egypt. Like, just got out of Egypt. And they're about to make their journey, which turns out to be a super long journey, longer than what it should have been because of their disobedience and rebellion. But they're going to make their way to the promised land. But until they get there, God has to lay down the parameters. Because when you love somebody, you establish parameters to protect the relationship, right? Because loving is not just like, well, you just do whatever you want. As parents, we understand that. That's an insane concept. 
I don't just let my kids do whatever they want to do because they feel like doing it. That's not love. That's actually the opposite of love. That's damaging. That's hurtful. God is a God of love, and so he establishes parameters because he loves. So here it is. He's like, give the instructions to the people of Israel. I am the Lord your God. Verse 3, so do not act like the people in Egypt where you used to live, where you just got rescued from. You were slaves in Egypt. He delivered them out of Egypt. So don't live like they used to live where you came from. Okay, there's a direct application there for you and I. If you are a follower of Christ, you don't live how you once lived. Can't live that way anymore. There has to be a, there has to be a delineation. There has to be like a, a line that was crossed, so to speak, where it's like the old me is gone and this is a new me. But he has to give them this other heads up too. Like you can't live how you used to live in Egypt and things that you saw in Egypt and were practiced we don't take those into the promised land with us. And, there was, and we'll, we'll see what some of those things were. But he also says, or like the people of Canaan, where I am taking you. So you can't live like those in Egypt, nor do I want you to live like the Canaanites who are occupying the land right now. Because they had 400 years to repent, and they never did. And now God is saying, their time is up. Israel, your time is up in, in Egypt. I'm rescuing you, rescuing you. I'm delivering you. And for the people who lived in the land, who occupied the land while Israel was in bondage, God showed them grace upon grace and mercy. And he gave them years and years and years to stop doing what they were doing. And the list we're about to read through are the things that they were doing. And the fact that God didn't wipe them out on day one shows that he was graceful. He was a gracious God. But he lets his people know, I delivered you from this, not so that you can go and live like this. I delivered you from this so that you will live within the parameters that I'm going to set in place. God is the one who determines how we worship him. God is the one who determines what love is and what it's not. God is the inventor of these things. He's the creator of these things. He alone gets to say, this is how it works, okay? So with that, he goes on to say, uh, where I'm going to take you, you must not imitate their way of life. And anytime I see that phrase there, you must not imitate their way of life, I, I immediately, uh, my head flashes over to Romans chapter 12. I'm going to read it to you guys. I have this one burned into my brain and my heart, but I, for the sake of not misquoting it, Paul says in Romans 12, verse 1, and so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you, I beseech you uh, to give your bodies to God as a, uh, because of all he has done for you, as a, give your bodies as a living sacrifice, right? New Living Translation messes me up a little bit sometimes, but uh, it says, let them be a living and holy sacrifice. There's that key word, holy. The kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him, okay? Leviticus, holiness, how to worship, and all that good stuff. Here's Paul to the believers in Rome saying, this is the deal. This is what God wants. All of you, all of you as a living sacrifice. Verse two of that same chapter, he says, do not copy the behavior and customs of this world. Don't let this world make its imprint on you. Do not be conformed or shaped into the world's ideologies. 
Don't, don't copy their behavior, their customs, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think or the renewing of your mind. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So that was, you know, Paul brings us up to the, to the believers there in Rome. And, and here we have in, in Leviticus chapter 18, the Lord's saying to Moses, to the people, he's like, look, this is, how, this is what I want from you. This is what I expect. Don't imitate the world. Don't imitate the world. Don't take on that mold. You are made in the image of God. That's the mold that's been imprinted upon you. He, he, he has rights to us, guys. We're made in his image. He has exclusive rights to us. And so he's given them this little pep talk, and he's got to go through a list, though. And it's a weird list, I understand, but... Verse four, before we can get into the list, it says, you must obey all my regulations and be careful to obey my, dec- my decrees for I am the Lord, your God. If you obey my decrees and my regulations, right? This is the rules and laws and all that good stuff. You will find life through them. I am the Lord. He's like, if you do what I say, if you stay within the parameters, you'll find life. We look at sometimes like, now, again, a lot of these laws, I mean, Christ fulfilled the law, okay? So some of these things don't get carried over into the New Testament, and we're going to see that. And a lot of people, um, non-believers especially, like to make arguments, silly arguments about like, well, if you, don't, if you don't allow this, then why do you allow this? And it's just silliness. That's all it is, okay? Um, but Christ has fulfilled the law for us, and praise God for that. It doesn't mean the law is done, the law is still good. The law is still good. The law is like a tutor. It leads us to Christ. It is still good. You know what's still a good idea? Not murdering your neighbor. That's still a good idea, right? That's still like, we still want that one to be applied within our society. There's lots of good things that Christ, not only did he fulfill them, but in the New Testament, he made them stricter. If you actually read the Bible, like the Pharisees thought they had everything figured out. Well, we've never committed adultery. And Jesus says, well, hold on. Have you lusted? Well, of course. We're men, of course. That's adultery. And they're like, well, we didn't know you were going to go that deep. And he's like, that's, I fulfilled the law. He was fulfilling the law, but he was also expounding upon the law as to what it actually meant and how deep it does go. So yes, Christ fulfilled the law, but he also made it a little bit more strict in one sense. So you want life, stay within the parameters. Stay within the parameters, the boundaries. And God doesn't make rules because he's a mean God who doesn't want us to have any fun. My goodness, when we read through this list, I'm thinking like, why do we even need to have these things, right? But God makes rules and boundaries because he cares and he wants us to have life and life abundantly. So let's read through some of these lists. All right, verse six, you must never have sexual relations with a close relative, for I am the Lord. You're like, yeah, um, does that go without saying? You would think, but where they're going into, this is happening, okay? Uh, Your family reunion is off limits, 
okay, to find your perspective other, right? You're the one. You don't find the one at your family reunion. It's basically the list we're going to read through here in a second. No relatives. You don't, there, there shouldn't be any incestual relationships at all. Why would we even, who we even thinks like that? The, and I'm not saying the world thinks like that, but my goodness, people in the promised land were living like this. He wouldn't say it if it wasn't a reality. Okay, he wouldn't say these things if they weren't a threat that they would have to confront. Don't, no, no sexual relations with a close relative. Verse seven, do not violate your father by having sexual relations with your mother. My goodness, what in the world? She is your mother. You must not have sexual relations with her. And you're like, duh. Like, but the deprived mind. Man, humanity is, apart from God, humanity is just... Um, it's, it's a sad state. The list gets better. Don't worry. Um, I know that you're like thinking of like, you know, I should start my own Christian like uh, clothing line and have these verses. No, you will never do that. Um, don't ever do that. Like, yeah, my Leviticus 18 line of clothing. Like, no, I'm going to ask you not to do that. Um, that's not, not a good idea. Uh, so, don't not, stay away from family members, not your mom, uh, don't have sexual relations, verse 8, uh, with any of your father's wives, plural there. It's like, uh, this is, you know, this is Bible okay polygamy. No, it doesn't okay polygamy, okay? Let's get this straight. There's polygamists out there that say, no, the Bible says this is okay. Um, there's shows on TV. I know it because I've seen some of them, right? And they think like, you can have multiple wives, because God is telling me I should have sister wives. And that's the stupidest thing ever. That is dumb. Number one, that's sin. Okay? It's sin. Let's not mistake it. That is sin. Because polygamy is in the Old Testament does not mean that God stamps an approval on that thing. Okay? That's, let's, let's understand that. Okay? So uh, you don't see polygamy in the New Testament at all. At all. It's not there. Okay? Now, was it happening in the Old Testament? Yeah. And some pretty like epic Bible guys had multiple wives. David was one of them, right? But that's wrong. Well, just because David did it doesn't mean it's right. And so from the very beginning, God has established what marriage should be. We're the ones who mess it up. Humanity is the ones who have messed it up. But Regardless, if your dad's got multiple wives, you can't sleep with any of them, right? They're off limits. There you go. Uh, why is this a rule? Well, it has to be a rule. Um, goes on to say, uh, you would violate your father. Verse 9, you do not have any sexual relations with your sister or half-sister, whether she is your father's daughter or your mother's daughter, whether she is born into your household or someone else's. If there's any kind of relationship there, you stay away. Stay away. It's not just... Don't cross those lines. Don't have any sexual relations with your granddaughter, whether she's your son's daughter, your daughter's daughter. This would violate yourself. Do not have sexual relations with your stepsister, a daughter of your father's wife, for she is your sister. Don't have sexual relations with your father's sister. That would be your aunt, for she is your mother's close relatives. Or, uh, your, that, sorry, your, she's your father's close relatives. Don't have sexual relations with your mother's sister, your other aunt. Um, 
because she is your mother's close relative. Do not violate your uncle, your father's brother, by having sexual relations with his wife, for she is your aunt. Like, my goodness. Uh, don't, there's more. The list keeps going. Um, don't have sexual relations with your daughter-in-law, for she is your son's wife. You must not have sexual relations with her. Do not have sexual relations with your brother's wife, for this would violate your brother. Now, there is one little caveat within that, and that's the Leverite law. Okay, so your brother dies, then the next, if the brother, he has brothers and one is unmarried, then there was a law that was put into place where that guy would marry his brother's now widow to carry on his name, to have kids for the sake of his brother. That was the law that was put in place there. This is not talking about that. This is talking about when your brother is alive and having, don't hook up with your sister-in-law is what he's saying. Okay. Now, that's going to violate your brother. Verse 17, don't have sexual relations with both a woman and her daughter. Do not take her granddaughter, whether she's her, or whether her son's daughter or her daughter's daughter, and have sexual relations with her. They are close relatives, and this would be a wicked act. While, okay, so we, we, we're done with the family stuff. We're done with the family stuff, for the most part, right? Like, um, Again, these are not, and you read through that list, and, and in my head, I'm always thinking, like, I would never even, <laughs> I would never even think about this stuff. Um, would never even think about this. Uh, however, these rules are stated because things like this were going on, okay? And the nation of Israel, the, the children of Israel, they were going to be tempted in ways that they had not yet kind of known. Now, was, I don't know if some of this stuff was happening in Egypt. It very well could have been, okay? They could have been exposed to some of the stuff then. We know that there was deplorable things that were happening within the Canaanites and that they would be walking into this. And these would be temptations for them. Maybe not all of this list, but we know this. First Corinthians, there was some messed up stuff going on in that church. Like a guy and his, what, his stepmom like, Paul had to call these guys out and be like, you can't hook up with your, your dad's wife, new wife or whatever. What, I can't remember right now what all is going on there, but Paul had to address this in the church. And he, what did he let them know? It's wrong. We don't do that. We don't do that. No, we, we keep marriages as sacred, as honorable. And we, we go, again, within the parameters that God has established, Back in Genesis, you have one man, one woman. That's how he designed it. That's how he created it. Don't go outside those boundaries. Don't go outside those boundaries. Don't let your flesh and temptation lure you outside of those boundaries. You stay within those parameters. That's how it is. Because that's what, that's, if God invented it, he gets to say how it goes. And I don't care what our feelings are. I don't care what our, what's politically correct and all that good stuff. We don't conform God's word into what we want it to say. It says what it says, and we obey it. That's it. That's it. And I know that's like politically incorrect. And we're, look, we're about to cover some stuff that is like, that. It, I'm sure in a few years, me teaching through Leviticus 18, there's a good chance they'll get me thrown into jail. But I don't get to change God's word. It says what it says. And what I want to know, and what I would hope that other people is, 
Are we asking the right questions? Are we going back to like, why does he say this? Obviously, there's reasons behind everything there. And there's protective things that he has in place. It would be far better for us to trust in the wisdom of God than the emotions that we experience. Now, concerning the marital relationship, um, let's see here. Uh, let's, I think I finished off. Oh, no, here's the polygamy one. I'm sorry. Let's, yeah, let's, let's talk about this. Um, verse 18, while your wife is living, okay, she's still alive, don't marry her sister. Why? Why would you do that? Uh, and have sexual relations with her, for they would be rivals. Polygamy, bad idea, bad idea. Um, no, no, polyg- no polygamy, no sister wives, none of that stuff. Like, stay away from it. If you, God blesses you with one wife, then you, I mean, you just give her everything you have. Everything you have. So, here's the, now here's the, the marriage relationship between just one guy and one girl, okay? Uh, verse 19, do not have sexual relations with a woman, during her period of menstrual impurity, right? If she is going through a menstrual cycle, um, then, you, then you abstain for those days, okay? And, and really what the, there's blood involved. And so we know that throughout Leviticus, blood is, uh, has been a very important part within all the sacrificial system and all that good stuff. So that could be part of it, you know, and, and there, you know, there's some uncleanliness that, you know, just ceremonially that's addressed there. If, uh, if a woman has her period, then um, she is ceremonially unclean for a certain amount of time. Let me remind you, that's not God saying, well, that's bad. It's not what he's saying. It's just a part of nature that he programmed inside of females that they would have this menstrual cycle. And when the blood and all that stuff is going on, then he sets them apart of like, take that time to just rest. Really? I mean, that's what it is. It's not like, ooh, you're gross. He's like, no, take that time and rest. Oh, and by the way, husbands, give her space. Don't make any demands of her sexually when, she's, when that's going on, is what, he's, is what he's kind of saying here. Give her space. Let her body go through the process, the beautiful process that God had created. I did one thing that I think was really smart um, in my uh, fatherhood, right? Um, I have two daughters, and before they ventured into womanhood, um, I was, I don't know, this had to be an inspiration from God. Um, I listen to podcasts a lot when I'm working outside and doing work for my boss, and I was like, you know what? I listen to one podcast uh, quite often, and it's Stuff You Should Know. And uh, so they had one on the female menstrual cycle. I was like, you know what? I should listen to that. Because I got two daughters. Now, I should have listened to it because I have a wife who I've been married to for 21 years that uh, I should have been already listening to that for her sake. But I knew, like, I got two daughters who are about to go into this. And I want to know all I can. Why? So I can be a good dad. So I can be a good dad. And it was the best thing ever. And I learned a ton of stuff. And it was the coolest thing. And so when my daughters, they are not here. They're probably not watching online. When that happened for them, you know what we did? We celebrated it. Because that's, that's a blessing from God. Not like, don't get, it wasn't weird. Um, no, it was just like, but what I wanted them to understand was like, this isn't ew, this isn't gross, this isn't, you're not abnormal. This is God's handiwork. This is beautiful. This is an amazing thing that God would put that system into place. Why not celebrate that? 
the reality of that. Now, we didn't, I didn't bake them a cake or anything like that or nothing, but, uh, but it was just like, I wasn't going to be like, ooh, no, or oh, here come the moods and all that good stuff. No, it's like, I understand what's going on. Like, I, I get it. But I also know that God created us, and he specifically designed us, male and female, with different attributes. And that's one of them that, that contributes to the reproductive cycle. You've been listening to Bread for the Broken with Pastor James Grizzle. Pastor James is making his way through the book of Leviticus. Now, when we open the book of Leviticus, we first read these words. The Lord called Moses and spoke to him from the tent of meeting. He starts talking to Moses about the offerings that the people are to bring. In chapter 1, verse 9, he says, And the priest shall burn all of it on the altar, as a burnt offering, a food offering, with a pleasing aroma to the Lord. The animals they offered were to be without blemish. Now, we know that when Jesus died on the cross, he was the perfect Lamb of God. And yet the writer of Romans says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual act of worship. We no longer sacrifice animals to cover our sin, but in reverence and in worship of Jesus who paid that price for us once and for all, we offer ourselves as living sacrifices. The book of Leviticus can open our eyes to how we're to live before the King of Kings. Here at Bread for the Broken, we're committed to helping people find hope and new life in Jesus. To hear other great messages filled with that hope and life, head over to breadforthebroken.com. Once again, that's breadforthebroken.com. Or you can find us on Facebook, where we live stream all of our services. That's all that we have for today. Pastor James will be back with you next time, right here on Bread for the Broken.